Hey, Andy Jenkins here. It has been a few weeks since I have been on, and so today's actually Monday. Now, normally, here's what I do schedule-wise, is I like to block my entire week into different chunks. So, I always know Monday morning, I'm going to set up some emails and some social media and other things for the week. Uh, for instance, I always know on Wednesday morning, that's when I'm doing some writing projects. I always knew I have certain meetings you know, on Tuesday afternoons. That's kind of the afternoon where I do meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. It, this routine really just works for me until, like most things in life, until it doesn't. All right, and I'm back on it after this. A few weeks ago, I started some new projects. I'm going to tell you all about those later on uh, in a future episode, but those projects really kind of derailed that schedule, which was my choice. And honestly, it was, is, will prove to be completely worth it. Uh, but that meant that I haven't recorded. Uh, normally, Wednesday afternoon is when I sit down here at the hilltop in my office with these huge windows overlooking all of the woods and this great view. That's when I sit down and record and love it. But I've just not settled into this chair for, oh, it seems like several weeks. Now, I want to tell you why today and about one of the projects I've been working on because I need your help. But before I get there, let me make a couple of announcements, okay? So first announcement is this. On the third Tuesday of the month, we always have this cookout at our house. We just call it the Hilltop Hangout. And we announce it on email, social media. If you're on our text bot, you'll get it there. Uh, in our Facebook group, we talk about it there a lot. The Facebook group, I'll put a link in the show notes, is called the Hilltop Hangout. And this is a gathering where we come together, we just cook out, we hang out, we light the fire pit, and we just, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, we just kind of do life. And we've realized unless you schedule time for friendships and relationships, it just doesn't happen. And there's always this excuse to punt it, to put it off. Even Saturday, one of my cousins came over, hung out uh, with his girlfriend, and we spent some time just eating, chatting with Beth and David and his girlfriend, and lit the fire, uh, spent some time, you know, and even through that day, just thinking, man, I'm, I'm tired. But, but I had this on the schedule, and if I didn't have it on the schedule, it, it wouldn't have last minute likely happened. But wow, it was this incredible, beautiful time. And whether it's one-on-one or, you know, four or it's 20 or 30 or four, like you've got to schedule time for friends, for fun, for the things that really add this flavor and zest to life and enhance it make it more worth doing. So third Tuesday of the month, I think the next one is, let me just pull up the calendar right here. Probably should have looked at this before I started talking, but I believe it's on the 16th. It is on the 16th and on that day, uh, which is likely two weeks after you're listening to this, after it first airs, we are going to release the project I'm gonna talk about in this episode. Okay, so I would love for you to get involved with that, connect with us if you're local. The project is, and that, that, here's the announcement, and it's just gonna roll right into the content. It's the new LifeLift app that I've put together. I released this, uh, it was in test mode for several weeks. You really never know kind of when it's gonna release. 
so you it's just kind of this dancing chess match of a type of routine when you're dealing with the Apple App Store. Uh, they have certain criteria, and then you're dealing with Google Play. They have certain similar but different criteria, and then you've got developers, and all of this thing is all just kind of going in you know, different directions. The app is actually available right now, but we've been planning for months just to really have this party to show it to people. You can download it absolutely free. There is paid content in it, uh, but there's also free content in it, in- including this podcast uh, is there. And including the 21-day challenge that so many of you have taken via email that really helps you walk through the seven key areas of life. It helps you move through different blockers that hinder you from living the life you're designed to live. It helps you walk through accelerators that move you forward and enhance and speed up your progress. That 21-day challenge is now on the app. Uh, Still can get it on email, but it's available via video in the app, which... I think really enhances it because I'm able to provide you more coaching and more content totally free right there in the app. There are several things that are in there you can access totally free. Of course, there's some other things. One of the things that is coming up that you can access in the app through the app is going to be this new coaching program that I'm doing that is all about the Freedom March. Now, I'm, I'm going to put the Freedom March link. That's the name of the group. It is designed to empower you to overcome the hurts of the past so that you don't live through the grid of them, whether the hurts of the past are past traumas, uh, which would be diagnosable or undiagnosable post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress disorder, whether the hurts of the past are guilt and shame that you're carrying from something that was put on you, maybe, maybe even because of something that you've done, but you still get to walk away from that whole and really set a new starting line, a new starting point, or whether that is a soul tie. A soul tie would be an unhealthy heart attachment. It could be a connection to the wrong thing. We we often think of that as alcohol, uh, drugs, uh, other types of addictions, or it could be the attachment to a right thing, uh, maybe even a person, but in the wrong way. A right thing could be work, but in the wrong way. So we're going to talk through all of those. That's a five-week intensive. It leaves you with uh, some group coaching opportunities. It leaves you with content that opens up every day in the app. It's going to leave you with uh, a worksheet. In fact, I've got this phenomenal, I think it's this incredible workbook. I'm so excited to show it to you of how the printer has put this thing together uh, that'll help you journal through uh, some of these items over the five-week period. It is a self-guided um, coaching opportunity where you got some video and some audio for me with some group video. Uh, nobody can see you unless you want to be seen in those opportunities. Replays all available. I've got a whole website up. All right, so that's a seven-minute introduction. Let me talk to you a little bit about the app. That's what I want to do uh, in this episode. I was I was sitting at a coffee shop with a friend uh, not too long ago. Oh, Henry's just opened up a new location. Uh, really close to mine and Beth's house here, over near Lifetime Fitness is where they opened this one up, right across the street right there. And I was talking to this guy, uh, his name's Alan, and he says, hey, so like I've seen you, you know, sitting here designing the graphics for this project. I've seen you writing up a little bit about it. You've been talking to me about it. Tell me what's unique about it. Like how does this app 
which the, the LifeLift app is designed to provide you with faith-driven life coaching so that you can live at the next level in every area of life. Okay, so it's faith-driven life coaching. It's going to help you level up. His question was, how does that differ than other faith-driven life coaching resources that are out there? Because you, you don't have to go far to find something in the realm of faith. It, right now, this whole coaching thing has just exploded. You don't have to go far to find that. And so I'd imagine bringing those two together, finding life coaching that's faith-based, wouldn't be too huge of a leap to find. So why is this one different? And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today in this episode of the podcast. A long intro to give you four points about how this platform differs. Okay, so let, let me give you number one of four. Number one is this. It is about God and you. It is pulling those two things together. In fact, I'll tell you this, all four of these are going to be items that I wrongly think we separate or we wrongly think it's this or that, uh, whereas we need to synthesize and bring together. In our culture today, we don't really do a great job of thinking in terms of nuance. Everything's either good or it's totally bad. So you look in the political sphere, uh, Joe Biden is either awesome and you love him or he's horrible. And he's, some people have even said, the Antichrist. You look at the, and a Nazi and a communist, like, and there's no middle ground. You look at the other side. Some people love Donald Trump, and some people say he is a, and you fill in all the blanks of everything that they say, horrible. And nobody can look at it and say, hey, you know, like, there's some good aspects to both of these guys. Now, now there's some, bad decisions they've made as well, and there's some stances publicly that both of them have taken that are, in my opinion, dangerous, but we've lost the ability to think in nuance and to synthesize things. So we're going to synthesize four different categories of things. That, that's going to be the unique approach here for this faith-driven life coaching. Okay, so God and you. Scripture teaches us this. It teaches us that God is working on our behalf, and it also teaches us that we are responsible for working on our behalf. You don't have to go too far in the Scripture to find that. In fact, Paul actually says this. He says, Philippians 2, he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, catch that. Work out your salvation. It's something that he is telling you to go and to do. Now, now, notably, Paul does not say right there, go work for it, as if you could earn it. Okay, he says, work it out. Not work for it, work it out. But, but if you continue reading that sentence... Again, Philippians 2.12, he continues, For it is God who works in you to do and to will his good pleasure. Or, or it's probably actually to will and to do his good pleasure. To desire, to will, to want, to, to want to follow the precepts of God, to want to follow the design of God, to want and also not just want it, but to have the capacity to actually achieve it. So often we 
want to do what God has for us, but the follow-through is lacking. And Paul says, no, no, work out your salvation. God's working something in you, and he's going to make it possible for you. This is the synthesis of God and you as partners, co-laborers, together making this life occur. Now, in, in another verse, Paul, he said this. He said, I worked harder than all the other apostles. He's talking about his work ethic there, and he talks about how he travels. He talks about how he preaches. He talks about how he's in prison, and then he writes all these letters, these letters that he didn't even know at the time eventually were going to become the scripture that you and I read uh, in our devotion times, that we read on Sundays in churches, that we read on t-shirts and coffee mugs and calendars and other places, that we read and hear on the radio and on podcasts. He says... As he's pursuing that life in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I worked harder than all the other apostles. But then he adds, wait, but not I, but the Lord working through me. And in other words, here's the big idea. Point number one of four of why or how faith-driven life coaching on the LifeLift platform is a little bit different is the unique approach involves a partnership with you and the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit expresses himself through you supernaturally doing things that you can't do on your own, that I can't do on my own, that we can't achieve on our own, yet we have to show up and we show up fully alive in full force. And when we show up, God shows up. And when God shows up, we show up. And God does something through us that we can't do on our own, yet he doesn't do it unless we show up. And there it is. Item number one, really the unique approach is it involves God and you. Let, let me give you item number two. Item number two is heaven and here or descriptor number two. Okay, descriptor number one is God and you. Descriptor number two is heaven and here. All of this is in the show notes, by the way, along with all the links that I referred you to. Jesus has told us this. He said to pray that the kingdom would come and that God's will will be done on earth, here, now, in the present. And in other words, we're not waiting for some future reality off in the uh, cosmos to happen. We're not waiting for a date that's years in advance of here. Yet, si simultaneously, we, we kind of are. None of us really believe that this world is running how things should be. Yet, simultaneously, Jesus said, it's not about getting from here to heaven. It's about praying and manifesting and experiencing the kingdom now. Uh, one time when he was talking to the disciples, and, and they're all talking about signs. Everybody wanted to see a sign. Everybody wanted to see a proof. Everybody wanted to observe something miraculous that certified, verified that God was among them and that they were pursuing the right course of action. And he said, wait, don't, don't look outside at the externals for a sign. He actually said, look inside and, and then he said this, the kingdom of God is, you could just say already, okay? The kingdom of God is already within you. That's Luke 17, 21. So point number two here involves heaven. It's a future hope. It's something that we're waiting for, okay? Like 
Paul wrote in Romans 8 that creation is moaning and groaning with birth pangs, waiting for like, like we groan right now. We cry right now. We have this hope that God's going to move and then he's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do, even though our children aren't following him in the way we thought. We have this hope that he's going to move even though there are these legal obligations and lawsuits. We have this hope that he's going to move even though there is debt and financial despair. We have this hope that he's going to move even though there is healing that we're wanting to happen. So we uh, automatically default and say there is this future hope that's coming, yet we also need to realize the tension is some of that is experienced now. The kingdom of God is within you. Not, not fully manifest, but it it is, it's within you. And that means when the kingdom of God is within you, that doing the work of the kingdom is largely an inside job. The energy we expend in the world ministering, serving, doing the jobs that we do, our vocation, workplace, what we get paid to do. Uh, sometimes we call that the field that we have in front of us. And the, the work that we do with our family, the experiences that we have with our friends, as I talked about earlier, that recently we've, we've done, all of that should be an overflow of what God is already doing inside of us. Somehow, the kingdom is off in the future yet to come, and it is inside of us, and we don't see it fully manifest in the world, yet God is bringing it from the future towards us, and it is overflowing from the inside out, almost as if the world is going to come in contact with it from two places simultaneously from out there in the future, and from in here, inside of us. Well, if that's true, it means that eternal life then, it isn't just about going to heaven when you die. Now, that might have been the salvation call that was offered to you when you were growing up in the church. It might have been all about, hey, um, in the future... If you want to go to heaven when you die and you don't want to go to hell, walk the aisle right now or raise your hand or fill out this card or, uh, you know, whatever. Now, now, I would say, although I believe that happens, although I do believe that there is a place where we go. Jesus said, right, I go prepare a place for you, And if I go prepare that place, I will come again and get you so that you may be where I am going. He said to the thief that was on the cross, uh, I will remember you today in paradise. In fact, you will be with me. So there's a relationship with the person. You will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in a place. But, but that means that eternal life isn't just about the future place that you go. It's about living out the potential of that experience right now. In 1 Corinthians 15, one, one more verse on point number two. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul was talking about the resurrection, and there were people in the church at Corinth that thought that the resurrection had either already happened or it wasn't going to happen. They, they had originally believed that when Jesus rose from the dead, and you got to remember when Jesus rose from the dead, Matthew says that there were saints who had died that got up out of their graves that first Easter Sunday morning as well, and they were seen by people, just as Lazarus was seen by people. Well, the people in the church, they thought the resurrection was going to occur any day now for the dead. 
and they had prayed and believed, and then some of their loved ones were dying. They weren't resurrecting. And you got to remember when Paul's writing this letter to the church at Corinth, it is decades after the cross event. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and, and they're really just trying to do the best they can. And so somebody proposes the idea that there isn't a resurrection of the dead, that maybe this life is just all there is. So just kind of grin and bear it and hope for the best. And Paul writes to them and he says, no, 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 no. There is a resurrection. Jesus died. He arose. He was the first fruits of what's going to happen. He was seen by the disciples. He was seen by over 500 people. He was seen by me, he says in Acts 9, like as one kind of, Paul uses that phrase, untimely born, that Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, like made this post-ascension appearance back down to him like angels had done all throughout the Old Testament. And, and like people believe the incarnate Son of Man had done throughout the Old Testament. And so he is emphasizing, no, there is this resurrection. And then Paul says this interesting phrase in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. He says, if only in this life we have hope, we should be pitied among all people. That phrase, if only in this life we have hope. It, It really stands out to me because what had happened at that church was the believers there really had hope in this life. They had hope in this life such that their faith was so radical that even if there wasn't a hope of the future, they so much believed that the teaching and precepts of Jesus were life, radically so in the moment, that everything in the present was better because of it. And Paul reminds them, And he reminds us, you, me, we don't have to choose. There is hope in this life here, and there's hope in the future heaven. That's why we synthesize these two for precept or descriptor or uh, whatever you would say, characteristic number two, one being God and you, two being heaven and here. Not just heaven, not just here, heaven and here. Let me give you descriptor or characteristic number three. It's the head and the heart. Now, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they knew Scripture intimately. They had it intellectually locked in their head. In in fact, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, the average Bible scholar, would have had the entire Old Testament, which at that time was the only testament. They would have had every single book completely, flawlessly memorized. They would have games they played, like intellectual games, where someone would say a phrase just out of the Scripture. And based on that phrase, and some of them were even as good as they could do it from the Word, a single word, and they would start quoting the Scripture from that point on. Sometimes they would quote the verse before it or the verse after it, and then you would know when you quoted that or it was quoted to you that you would pick up another verse in another book that was very similar, and you would quote the one before or after that. And, and even though you were quoting different verses, you would know that the verses you were really talking about were the verses that you weren't saying. That's how well they knew it. It hurts my head just to talk about what they did. 
you might have gotten lost in that entire description. They knew the scripture really well. And here's what's interesting. On more than one occasion, they missed the fact that the very text that they studied actually described and prophesied the Jesus who was standing right in front of them. He even told them in John 5, 39, he said, you search these words, the scriptures, because you think that in these words you have life. And then he said, just kind of as this punctuation, but these words all point to me and you refuse to come to me. In fact, you stonewall me. You push me off. You refuse to come to me so that you can experience that life. You see, they got it in the head, but they completely missed the heart. So a uh, question, you know, should we study a lot of people even ask the question, should we study theology? And some people even say, I hate theology, as if, as if theology is bad. Or they'll say, I hate theology, I love Jesus. Or I hate religion, I love the Lord. Religion is this Latin word that means religio, to reconnect. That's what God came to do, is to reconnect us to himself, to reconnect us to each other. Theology is the study of God. It is practically we live out what we believe about God every day. Should we study? Yes. Should we religiously connect or religio? Should we connect to each other? Yes. In fact, Jesus says pure religion that's undefiled is disorder of earth. Let me start that sentence over. Pure religion that's undefiled is to serve orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep yourself unpolluted from the world. Jesus didn't downplay religion. He just emphasized that it needs to reconnect us to him and us to each other and us to the people that we serve. It doesn't need to just be a head thing. It somehow has to penetrate the heart. And, and this is why I think he said that we're told to love the world with, with all our heart, with all our soul, with our mind. There's something to that and, and with our strength, the things we do. He said this multiple times throughout the scripture. So that, that includes our body. That would include strength and fitness and kind of how you work and how you take care of yourself. That also includes our intellectual capacity. It even includes our emotions. In other words, I really think that that verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, greatest commandment, which by the way overflows into the second, love your neighbor as yourself. I think it's really a holistic outline of complete wholeness. And I really think maybe this, and I'll just kind of land it here, is God is better encountered than explained. God is better experienced than explained. Yet somehow, at the same time, if you know what someone is like, meaning kind of the description, the explanation, it enhances the experience with that person. Both of these, the head and the heart, they're important. As we understand it with our head, we can live it out, experience it more with our heart. As we experience it more with our heart, we simultaneously understand it more with our head. These are not at odds. Let me repeat what I've learned or what we've talked about so far. Number one descriptor is God in you. We synthesize those. Number two, heaven and here. Number three, head and heart. Number four, here's the final one. 
spiritual and practical. A lot of times, uh, when I was leading in a nonprofit world before, I had everything not not perfect <laughs> at all. Uh, that, man, golly, that'd be an overstatement. But we, we really endeavored to make everything that we did have a written process and become extremely organized. Um, that's probably the best way I can describe it. And we found that when we had really structure uh, outlined for everything, that it actually gave us more freedom and flexibility and fluidity throughout the week because we had the structure, we had the big things in place. We kind of had the house built. Uh, it, you know, one of the classes that I have on my website and in the app is the Advanced Planner course. Now, Advance is a book that really talks about how to define the dreams that you have in every area of life, uh, not just a goal for business, but goals in your health and goals in relationships and goals in faith and in each area. And then how to really build out a structure, a bridge is what the metaphor we use in the book to move from here to there, to navigate from where you are to where you're designed to be. And as I started teaching that years ago, I, th I think it was about seven years ago, actually, uh, at some men's events, that material kept developing and it kept getting shaped and refined and we outlined it more and it just, it, it took on this life all of its own. Eventually we, we made a day planner to help people place structure to really living out the goals and dreams they have to where they're not just chasing life and chasing a to-do list. In fact, if you go to the show notes, I will put a link where you can download that planner absolutely free. You can take advantage and get access there. And that audiobook and the video course, it is in the app where you can unlock it and you can follow along and learn from that content. That's the material. Uh, you could probably hear uh, the pages right there. That's the, that's the book. That's the planner that I use. Even though most of the stuff I do is digital, I still use a paper planner uh, every single day. Now, here's the point about spiritual and practical. A lot of times people have this idea that it really has to be one or the other, that if it's too practical, if there's too much process, if you've got it too structured or too organized, that you have eliminated the possibility of the Holy Spirit showing up. And I've really found that that's not true at all. Psalms 78, 72, it tells us that David, King David, the, the shepherd boy that killed Goliath, King David, that he led with both skill and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, both of them. He, he led with this excellence and he led with this freedom and spontaneity that the Holy Spirit brought and delivers and infused throughout his life. And again, many times people think that these two extremes are at odds, that we should wait and let God do everything. Other people think that we should just do everything ourselves and that maybe God will show up. And, and really, again, in Scripture, we see that these two things aren't at odds. In fact, one interesting verse, way back in the book of Exodus 31, verse 3, Moses has just come down from the mountain 
God has given him instructions of what the tabernacle should look like. And then the Lord tells him specifically which people to set aside to do each aspect of the work. And so he says, hey, I want you to set these craftsmen aside to begin laboring and building the vision that I've given you because, and here's the quote, I filled them with the Spirit of God with the ability to make artistic designs and to build. Now, the tabernacle was a very highly structured, highly dictated plan because Hebrew says he built it on the pattern of heaven. So there, there wasn't any room for interpretation on the tabernacle at all. I mean, talk about like high structure, I mean, down to the color and the poles and the measurements and what it looks like and the materials. Yet, I filled them with the Spirit of God. It was practical. It was supernatural. It was a process. It was also powered by the Holy Spirit. We should expect both. And, and I think we see throughout the written text that God routinely shows up and empowers people to do everything in life, and he empowers us to do it on both aspects of this. That, that's why in Colossians 3, Colossians 3, Paul writes, whatever you do, you know, whatever you do, if you're writing a book, whatever you do, you're doing uh, cooking, whatever you do, you're building a house, whatever you do, you are creating a business, whatever you do, you're parenting, whatever you do, you are taking your day off and resting. Whatever you do, you are exercising or getting into physical shape. Whatever you do, whatever you do, not just spiritual things, whatever you do, do unto the Lord, for it is Him you are really serving. So I think not only does God show up and want us to do things with excellence and the supernatural empowerment, I think it it lends us to teaching practical things, not just spiritual things, but practical things like managing the day and managing your routine and making sure that certain things, and that, that's why uh, on the podcast recently, I, I did a two-part episode or two-part series on 75 Hard, which was this physical challenge. It wasn't supernatural. It wasn't spiritual. It, it awakened me in some of those areas, but I really believe these four are important. Number one, God and you. God doesn't just do it. You don't just do it. It's a partnership. Number two, heaven and here. We're not just waiting for hope in the future. There is this infusion now. God and you, heaven and here, the head and the heart. They're not at odds with each other. And the spiritual and the practical. All of that, that is, that describes the unique approach. And, and, and this just kind of came out, by the way, <laughs> back to the conversation at the coffee shop with my friend, Alan. We were sitting there and he said, well, tell me what's unique. I didn't have the outline at the time, but this is really what we talked about. And this is where it all came out. So thank you, Alan, for asking the question. That is the unique approach here. Now, let me tell you where you can find more information about this because I need a favor. If you go into the app and link down in the show notes, whether you are going to Apple or whether you are going to Google. So whether you're iOS or Android, if you will go into the app and if you will open that up, there is where you can sign up for free basic access. 
I would love for you to do that. When you unlock basic access, there are instantly three different offerings you're going to see right there. Three different products, for lack of a better term. One is the podcast, uh, and everything releases there before it pushes out to every other platform. So as soon as I record it, I post it there. Number two is the 21-day challenge. Number three is this four-video series, Level Up Your Life, where you can actually watch this video uh, it's a little bit more concise because I recorded it uh, just looking to a camera and this I've really kind of taken uh, more time and expounded upon what was a five to seven minute video uh, as well as some other videos there that are free for you to help move from where you are to where you're designed to be. Uh, let me give you final uh, sign off here announcement is if you will go review the app. So download it. Uh, put it on your phone, put it on your tablet, uh, put it wherever you would use it, and then review it in your favorite app store. If you'll reach back out to me, I don't even have to see the review. If you'll reach out to me and there's a form, I'll put the link on the website where you can get the details on all of this, um, but you just email me back. Don't have to fill out the form. You can just email me. I'll take your word for it. I will unlock the Soul Wholeness audiobook on the app as my thank you free of charge for you doing that. All right, that's it. That's the sign off uh, announcement for the day. All of the links, everything that you need is down in the show notes as I do every time. Let me pray for you uh, and I will be back soon. There will not be uh, another long delay between previous episode um, and next episode for a while. So my prayer is that the Lord would bless you. He would keep you. He would make his face of favor shine upon you. My prayer is that you would feel the synthesis of these four ideas that we've talked about, that you would feel that it is God and you, that you would be able to work out your salvation. But as you take the steps of working out what he's called you to, you would sense supernaturally this nearness that God is working in you to want, to will, and to do the things that he has foreordained you to do. My prayer is also that you would not just wait for the hope of a heaven in the future, but that you would experience as you walk this out, the presence and the empowerment of the kingdom of God now. My prayer is also that you wouldn't do is so often it's easy for me to just delve into the head, but you would experience God in the head and experience him in the heart. That it wouldn't be like those Pharisees who studied the scripture and studied the concepts, but refused to see the Jesus right in front of them, that we would grab hold of both. And that finally, you would have the wisdom to sort and to synthesize the spiritual and the practical. And that that supernatural would infuse every bit of everyday life. Grace and peace. I'll see you again soon.